Welcome to the Topeka First podcast. We are one church with several locations. Our mission is to reach our community with the message of Jesus. If you would like to give to support this podcast and the ministries of our church, please visit topekafirst.com giving. Enjoy the podcast. Proverbs really is challenging and it's, it's, quite, uh, it's quite pragmatic. It's practical to try to help us uh, to live in this life we live. So learning to relate to others is really important for us to have civility. You say, what in the world is civility? Well, civility is something maybe our world doesn't have much of anymore, uh, but it is important. It, it's, it's, uh, civility is it's something like this. It's uh, courtesy for others. Uh, it's respect for others. It, it's consideration for others. And then we could mix into that, uh, that we have that same kind of thing, that respect for God himself as well. And these are some of those attributes uh, that we need to have working in our lives. So uh, you can find saying too, and a lot of these are titled, depends on your version of the scripture, but uh, a lot of these are titled by saying 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, all the way to 30. And the first saying, or the one that we're going to look at this morning is saying too, that it says this in Proverbs 22, verse 22. It says, do not exploit the poor because they are poor, and do not crush the needy in court, for the Lord will take up their case and will exact life for life. Now, uh, Proverbs is making a real strong statement here, and we're just going to kind of swing through this one, but he, uh, he's reminding you and me that God will hold us responsible for how we treat other people. And we may not always get it right, and we just don't, right? We're humans, we're, we, we've messed up in life, and uh, we, we have to learn. And what, what he does here is to set the court and to set the king at a lower level than God himself. He's reminding us that God ultimately is the, he is the ultimate judge, and justice ultimately will come from him. We may not always see the justice that we want while we're living on this life in certain situations, but we can expect according to the work of God and what the Scripture tells us that justice will be done. We want to make sure that we foolproof our life and that we allow God to have the final say in our lives. Amen? Okay, what about consideration for others? Uh, Marian Anderson, she was a professional opera singer. I don't know if you follow opera, I really don't, but uh, she was uh, uh, very well-renowned. She was the first African-American opera singer at New York's Metropolitan Opera. And uh, she also was the first African-American to perform at the White House. And Marion once performed a concert in Nebraska, and there was a student that was there that really wanted to go and hear her perform. And uh, so this student uh, wanted to, but she couldn't get time off from her local uh, hotel desk job as an attendant. And so there she was stuck there while the concert was going on. But it just happened to be that Marion Anderson was staying in that hotel at that time. And after the concert, she came back and she went up to the hotel desk to ask uh, if there were any messages uh, for her, you know, no email, no text back at that time, etc. And she, go, she goes up and, and checks with them, and it happens to be this young college student. And the, the student said, no, there, there wasn't anything. But she said, how did your concert go? And she said, it went fine. And, 
And so she, she said, you know, I'm really sorry. I, I wanted to go. I was disappointed, but I had to work tonight, and, and I just was not able to go. And right there on the spot, you know, there, she's at the hotel counter, and right there, Marion backs up, and she sings a song for her a cappella uh, right there for her. What, what a cool thing that she did. Now, she didn't have to do that. Uh, she, she, didn't require, she wasn't required to do that, but she was just being considerate of this young person who wanted to be able to go and hear her in her concert. So she got her own private concert, which I find is really cool. And I think sometimes we need to, we may, we may not have those kind of ideas that, hey, that's what we're going to do, but, but we also understand that, that the Lord puts us in, in positions where we can be kind to others and be considerate of that of them. And the truths that Proverbs provide us give us principles that we can apply in our lives. One person said it this way, Proverbs is an extended commentary on the law of love, which forms the core of the Old Testament. And we can see this idea of the law of love over in Jesus' words in Matthew chapter 22, verse 34 to 40, and some may say, I don't, know, I don't know if I understand the Old Testament as being a place where love was, but because they think of sometimes the wars and the things that took place as Israel is coming up to be a nation and all of that. Uh, but you have to understand it, it's bigger than that, and it is that place. Uh, this really is significant for us. And he says, Jesus, uh, it's recorded in Matthew's Gospel, and then Jesus deals with this. Uh, and it says in verse 34, hearing that Jesus had silenced the Sadducees, the Pharisees got together and one of them, an expert in the law, tested him, tested Jesus. And with this question, teacher, which is the greatest commandment in the law? And Jesus replied, uh, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. I, I find this interesting. Remember, we read this in the New Testament, uh, uh, but we, we understand it comes from the old. And so Jesus wasn't coining something new. He was pulling this out. And then he says in verse 9 here, it says, and the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. And he makes this very strong statement. He says, all the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. Love God and love people. Love God and love people. And it's, a significant, it's significant for us. The law that God gave through Moses was before Proverbs. Was, it was about loving God and, and loving people. And we don't tend to think of the Old Testament that way. But even the Ten Commandments come to play here. They were about how we treated and how we loved God. And then there were those uh, how we treated and loved our neighbor. And then we know that if you look back in uh, Jesus when he dealt with the religious leaders and he talked to them about loving your neighbor because they asked the question, well, who's my neighbor? And then he lays it out with the Good Samaritan, right? We're not going to hit that, but, but you know how, how significant that was. Basically, Jesus is saying, Whoever is my, who, everyone is my neighbor. If you want to say it that way, whether they seem to be an enemy, enemy or a friend. Each one of these proverbs that we're going to uh, we're going to reduce them, and I'm going to reduce them into my simple words. And the first one here that I coupled together is saying five and saying eleven, and uh, and we're we're going to put those together because they're similar. 
and uh, and because of their size. Proverbs twenty-eight. Ver, I'm sorry. Proverbs twenty-two, verse tw- twenty-eight. If I could get it out of my mouth here, it says, "Do not move an ancient boundary stone set up by your ancestors." Now that seems spiritual and exciting. Makes you want to dance, right? <laughs> okay. <laughs> Some of you guys don't think so. Okay, so it's basic enough. And most of us may not, uh, we may not get it. It seems uh, outdated and all those kind of things. But really, it's not. Look at uh, Proverbs 23, then, verse 10 and 11. Then he goes on and he says, Do not move an ancient boundary stone or encroach on the fields of the fatherless. He kind of brings some more into it. For their defender is weak. No, it says strong, right? For their defender is strong. He will take up their case against you. I like how in this version, the defender is a capital D there. And uh, the question is, is how do we relate this to our day? Well, here's the way I reduce this one for you. Uh, Respect others' property and the right to make a living. Really, that's what this comes down to. There's a few things in this. I'm going to say right up front that this doesn't include all that God is saying through Proverbs here. Uh, but some may say, what, what does this have to do with, with us today? Well, really it has this to do with us. As followers of Jesus, we, we need to be able to respect others. We must respect others. Do you respect your neighbors? When you mow your lawn or your yard, when you, when you scoop snow, do you respect them? Do you treat their property fairly or do you just throw your stuff on their patio i don't know god is really speaking about how we should treat and love our neighbors back in the ancient times we understand that the boundary stone was set up to show property line and that was that was an important thing nowadays we have more sophisticated ways of doing it we may have a fence or we may have a pen in the curb or we may have just uh, just by laid out uh, with, uh, with your, uh, I can't even think what you call it, what do you call it, survey equipment, they'll survey it and all that kind of stuff. But, but what about this? When, when a tree falls down on your property line, how do you handle it? Once I had a fence that, that fell down between our house and our neighbors when we lived in another house, and, uh, and when that happened, uh, uh, we, my neighbor and I, we had to talk about what we were going to do with it, uh, and of course, you know, the rule usually is, is one has one half, the other has the other half. So you kind of work together in it. Is, is you can do it a couple different ways. And so we chose to work together on part of it. Uh, and uh, then the other part, the other person did. Uh, and so we just kind of worked together that way. And the great thing was, is it even opened the opportunity for me to talk to them about spiritual things. And, uh, but the big thing was, is I was taking care of business and he was taking care of business. And uh, we have to follow our responsibility or, uh, or uh, respecting other people. It doesn't really, doesn't really stop there. It can even, we can even take it to another level. One time I had a friend in, uh, in Texas, and I will call him John. That wasn't his real name, but we'll call him John and, uh, to protect the innocent. And he, he had this farm. It was a great farm. It was landlocked, though. Actually, there were other farmers and uh, uh, landowners around him. And uh, he would let my oldest son and I go out and do target practice out there and to drive his ATV and that kind of stuff. It was a cool property. They had a lot of deer on there. They had a wild boar and stuff. So 
so we got to go out there, and it was a, it was a nice getaway. It was way out, and John wanted to build a house on this piece of property, and uh, he liked it, of course. And the the issue was is in this property because it was landlocked, you had to go in the gate on the front on the road through another man's property, come out, uh, and then through another gate to go into John's property. And uh, so, you know, and that's, that's the way it is. And by law, that other person had to allow him to come through. That's the way that worked. He had to have the right of access and all that. But this, he wanted to build a house, and John couldn't hardly do that because this other guy refused to allow him to have the proper and appropriate access that he needed. Now, he could have uh, taken it up uh, legally and may have done some to a, a certain amount, but finally John decided, you know, it is not worth the fight. It's not worth the fight. And he sold the property, never did get to build a house at that place. So we have to ask ourselves, do, do you respect other property rights? Do you respect others' property uh, even if you are in an apartment, you have to respect another person's uh, entryway or their balcony or, or maybe their, their, uh, their toy that they have, you know, that they have setting out on the front, whatever it is. It may not sound very spiritual to you. It may think, well, you're a meddling pastor. Well, that's what the Word of God is talking about and dealing with. How we treat our neighbor really is a serious thing. Look again what Solomon says here in verse uh, uh, 10 and 11. He says, Do not move an ancient boundary stone or encroach on the fields of the fatherless, for their defender is strong, and he will take up their case against you. So Proverbs is, is, beyond, is beyond simply dealing with property lines. Here he takes it to another level. And, uh, he takes it to the point of don't invade the fields of the fatherless, of the orphan. Don't, don't try to overpower them and take from them. He's saying, in my words, just because you can get by with taking the land of a poor person without, uh, without a dad, don't think that God will let you by with it. I think that's pretty serious. I'm afraid that in our day and time, too many people live by their own rules. So why was the land so important here? Well, it was because that the only way they that was the only way they could grow food. Moving the boundary stone was different than going to their was no different, I should say, than going to their house and stealing their food. Nowadays, people would uh, don't simply steal it; they use formal and legal ways to do it. In the postmodern world, we we uh, have simply become more sophisticated about how we sin. And, uh, and so, uh, say, uh, and I know this may sound a little political in some sense, don't worry, don't worry, Pastor Steve. <laughs> so so here, you have, here you have a lobbyist that wants a road for his new factory, so he pulls some strings in the political world, and the next thing you know, that road is, quote, needed for the good of the people. What do we call that? Eminent domain. And so then they're able to come in, they pull that card, and they take that. And yes, that stuff does happen. Have we seen it happen? Yes. Uh, what, where does that leave the poor person? Well, some would say, well, you know, they're going to get what's fair. Not always. No, not always. And if that person doesn't have the money to fight it with a lawyer, they will likely be paid less money. Does that happen? Yeah, we've seen those cases. 
Sometimes it even happens to churches. But, but what does Solomon say, though? For their defender is strong. He will take up their case against you. It, it wouldn't be wise to fight against God. I, I would say that. It just is not wise to fight against Him. He is strong. He holds eternity in His hand. It's not just now. He holds the whole thing in His hand. Now let's move on for just a second and look at something else here. Look at saying seven with me out of Proverbs 23, verses 1 to 3. He says, when you sit to dine with a ruler, note well what is before you and put a knife to your throat if you were given to gluttony. Now, careful there, he's using what we call hyperbole, overstatement. He's not saying to really do that. He's just saying, watch yourself, okay? Now let's keep reading. Then he says in verse 3, do not crave his delicacies, for that food is deceptive. Let me me say it this way. Uh, We'll say it this way this morning. For for some of you, you may not like it. Others, you may, I don't know. In the the spirit of politics, (laughs) campaign gifts are never free. Campaign gifts are never free, so don't be pulled in by the gift. So let me, let me throw something else out to you. From, if some of you are aware of, of Convoy of Hope and the great ministry that they do, and, uh, and all of the things that they uh, do is wonderful, but Hal Donaldson, who's the CEO uh, of Convoy of Hope, said that one time when he was uh, doing ministry early on, uh, they were in an outreach in Minneapolis, Minnesota, and their process was... At that point, they had another organization that was actually going to provide the food for the outreach. And uh, they were supposed to do that, and then Convoy of Hope was going to do the logistics. They were going to be the ones that helped distribute it out to the community and all those kind of things. Uh, and so they, they get there, the trucks roll up. There are 3,000 people at this thing. 3,000 people. Maybe sounds familiar. The trucks roll up, they open the back. And in the back of the truck is a pallet of, I think, maybe carrots and beans and some baby food, maybe another little thing, to feed 3,000 people. Now, that's not going to suffice. We don't, don't know what happened. Something, something went awry. They weren't able to do it, or, or they, maybe they thought they had a full load. I don't know what happened. Uh, but there he is with 3,000 people, and Hal Donaldson says, he says, uh, I've got to do something. He had a card, he had a credit card at that point that they would just have to pay it off later. And so he went, probably not the best idea, but he had to do something. And so he goes to the local supermarket area and, and says, look, what can I buy for $15,000? I got 3,000 people to feed. Uh, and so the, the supermarket guy says, have at it. They go and they get as much as they can. And, and then they take it and they had a successful time there. But later on that day, there, that while they're there, there was a guy that came up. He was a guest. His name was Marvin. And uh, he wanted to give Hal a, a cash donation. He, a, he asked, how much did the food cost? And, and Hal reluctantly told him $15,000. And he had the receipt in his pocket and everything. But uh, the guy said, I don't have that on me. Uh, but I have it at my house. And uh, Marvin tried to get Hal to go with him. And, but Hal didn't trust him. He didn't, he didn't feel right about it. And he sa- so he said, well, I can't leave the outreach. I can't do that. And uh, so he, he wasn't sure. He, he felt like it may be a little too risky. 
An hour later, at the outreach, uh, a, a uniformed police officer was talking with Hal, and he noticed Marvin, and he said, what's that guy doing here? And uh, so uh, he, the office, officer was confused why he was there. And then uh, Hal said, well, why? He said, well, he's like the, one of the biggest gang members in the area. And so uh, Hal decided the campaign gifts are never free. And uh, he, was, he was concerned he may not have made it back. Uh, but anyway, don't be easily pulled in by someone who seems deceptive. Thankfully, uh, not everyone is that way, and that's why we must learn and build wisdom in our lives to be able to relate with one another and, and to serve one another. Let's look at this next saying here, saying 8, and it's over in Proverbs chapter 23, verses 4 to 5. And we're familiar with this one, but yet so many succumb to it, uh, it and its promises today. Look at what he says there in verse 4. He says, do not wear yourself out to get rich. Do not trust your own cleverness. Cast but a glance at riches and they are gone. Or they will surely sprout wings and fly off to the sky like an eagle. Now, I like his poetry there. He's not saying the money's going to fly. That's not what he's really saying. But it, it seems like he's making a statement there. Hey, this stuff gets away from you. So I'll say it this way. Riches won't hang around forever, so don't wear ourselves out over them. Jesus told us something in the, in the parable of the sower that relates to the issue of chasing riches and in relationship to chasing and following the kingdom of God. He said it in Luke chapter 8, in verse 14 and 15. It says, the seed that fell, off, uh, fell among the thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. In verse 15, he says, but the seed on good soil stands uh, stands for those with a noble and a good heart who hear the word, retain it, and by uh, persevering, produce a crop. What's the value of running so hard after money and pleasures and those kind of things when in the end you, you can't take it with you? We can't take it with you. That, that, that stuff it, uh, will stay here. Really, it, it's, more, it's more than that. It's all about what Jesus said. The message of God's kingdom can be choked out of our lives by riches and pleasures. And then we really don't mature spiritually. We can let all those other things get in our way of growth. On the other side of this, Jesus teaches something else. And we know it, you've heard it many times, it's Matthew chapter 6, verse 33, where Jesus made this promise. He says, but seek first His kingdom and His righteousness, and all these things will be given to you as well. We need to be able to focus on the things of God. We need to be able to focus on His plan. Seek His kingdom. Then God will provide for us. It doesn't mean we don't work and that we're not responsible and those kind of things. Those are important. Scripture has something to say about that too. We don't want to be the sluggard that can't get out of bed or the one that can't take their hand out of the dish, as, as Proverbs said, to put it to our mouth. But we, we want to work. But we also want to make sure that we have our priorities straight. Are you keeping your priorities straight? It's something that we must all do. 
If not, then now's the time to be able to listen to Proverbs and allow God to speak to your heart. So we're going to look at this final saying here. Here it's in Proverbs chapter 24. But before we do here, there are some thoughts about Proverbs that we should talk about. First of all, that Proverbs makes us think, right? These little Proverbs that we read, they make us think. They challenge us. And a proverb points out a simple, self-evident truth that represents common sense wisdom. And sure, we know common sense isn't always so common anymore. But that, that wisdom is expressed usually in a short, crisp way. So over the, year, over the years, a proverb called a mashal, I probably, I probably say it wrong in Hebrew, and it means likeness or comparison. So it, it became an effective tool for a teaching, for instruction back in the day in their time. And, but let's look at this 25th saying here. Here in Proverbs 24.10. He said, I'm not going to deal with all of this one, but it says, if you falter in a time of trouble, how small is your strength? Rescue those being led away to death. Hold back those staggering towards slaughter. If you, if you say, but we knew nothing about this, does he not who weighs the heart perceive it? Does not he who guards your life know it? Will he not repay everyone according to what they have done? So now here's where we, uh, now here, here's the way I'm going to reduce this one down just a hair bit. God knows the intent of our heart. He knows the intents of our heart, not only our actions. I think sometimes people think that God looks at us just simply for what we do, but no, it's, it's more than that. He knows the intent of our heart and, and why we do what we do. All of us have, have different challenges uh, when we communicate with others. It's easy for us to say something and not mean it the way it came out of our mouths. You guys know that if you've been around me very long. I mess up when I speak all the time. It's just the way it is, and, uh, and we, do, we mess up like that, but it could be that you, maybe you said something to your friend. Maybe you said, I love that sweater, but when you said it, it was sarcastic. You didn't mean it to be sarcastic, but you said it that way. It just came out that way by accident, and, and, and you knew the intent of your heart. They didn't know. They thought you were saying it was ugly or something. Those things happen. That's part of life, but, but there's, there's another side to this, and the, and the other side is that Solomon is speaking about here. He says in verse 11 and 12, he said, rescue those being led away to death. Hold back those staggering toward slaughter. Maybe you could look that, at that on the natural side. Maybe things like abortion. Maybe you could look at that on another side, on the spiritual side. Maybe somebody running from God. There's a few ways to look at that, but he says in verse 12, if you say, but we knew nothing about it. Does not he who weighs the heart perceive it? I think he gets it. He knows. He knows our lives. He knows our hearts. Say all that you want to, uh, that uh, you knew nothing about it. But the reality is, is the Lord is the one who weighs the heart. He knows the truth and the reality of it. He knows the intent of our hearts. And God doesn't have to judge solely by our actions. 
I think a lot of us could say, thank the Lord for that one. Right? A lot of us could say that, thank the Lord, that He doesn't, uh, uh, doesn't go solely by actions. In fact, we find over in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 12, that well-known verse that says this, For the Word of God is alive and active, sharper than any double-edged sword. It penetrates even to dividing soul and spirit, joints and marrow. It judges the thoughts and the attitude of the heart. So not only does God know our heart, but He helps us look into our own attitudes and thoughts and motives as we open up His Word. When we open up His Word, when we read it, when we hear it, when we listen to it, it should challenge our lives and it should help make a line between those things that are of God and those that aren't. Those are the right attitudes and those that are not the right attitudes. There may may be times that we may not even recognize our intent and then God's Word helps it make, uh, make it plain to us when we read His Word. That's why it's so important to read the Scripture. That's why some run away from Scripture. They don't want to read it. They don't want to know, but still the responsibility is the same. We have to read and we have to open our hearts up to what God is saying to us. God not only knows the thoughts and attitudes of our heart, but He holds us accountable. I'm thankful for the grace of God. But it's not right for us to hide behind the grace of God in such a way that we refuse to be responsible for how we treat others around us. Sometimes it's so easy for people to be able to hide behind that grace. It's odd oh, no. It's all under the blood. Basically, I can do whatever I want to do, live however I want to live, and ignore what God says about responsibility. We have to be honest with ourselves, with others. We have to be honest with God. Most people can see through the facade anyway. I remember back in the 80s when, uh, when uh, yeah, I know it dates me. Uh, uh, back in the 80s when we were par- starting to put a window tent on our cars, that was the thing, that was cool, and of course window tents, it's been around for many, 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 many years, but, but, but anyhow, it was becoming popular, and so you could put it on the back windows, the side windows, all that, and, and then of course they had to put laws in place so that the uh, police and first responders could uh, make sure that they stayed safe and everything, and, uh, and so, so, so say, hey, say you have a tent on your windows, you're driving down the highway, you're kind of distracted maybe by your phone or maybe distracted by something else to, messing with the, the radio or whatever it is. And, and, and the copper, he, he pulls right up beside you and he looks over and he sees what you're doing and the reason why he does it is because you've been going like this, focusing on something else. And he looks over and he sees right there, you got the phone in the hand, you're texting your neighbors and uh, please don't do that. And, and so, and, and then he pulls you over and he says, um, seems like you were distracted. Oh no, no, I wasn't distracted. I think you had your phone. Oh, no, I didn't have my phone. I have tinted windows. He couldn't have seen me. <laughs> oh, he saw you. He saw you through, through your tent. For us as followers of Jesus, we have to recognize God sees everything about us. For those who aren't yet following Christ, He knows you. He sees everything about you. None of us can hide from Him. We, we can go to the highest mountain, he'll be there. We can go to the, the lowest valley, he's going to be there. We can, we can get into all kinds of things to try to 
make ourselves feel like that God doesn't see us or He's not there so that we can do whatever we want. But the fact is, He's there. And He's not mean. He's not. They, I used to hear people say, He's not a mean ogre ready to beat us over the head. Uh, that's not the way He is because He loves us. And He cares for us. He's better than an earthly father that cares for his kids. Much better. He loves you. He wants the best for your life. We just need to be able to own up to him and say, Lord, yeah, this is the way it is. This is the way it is. And I need you. We have to be willing. As we wrap up this morning, we need to learn to respect others' rights make a living doesn't mean that we accept their sinful lifestyle if they're living that way but keep in mind that campaign gifts are never free political or not keep don't waste your time chasing riches seek first the kingdom of god and its righteousness god will take care of the rest finally since god knows the intent of your heart Live honestly among others. Live honestly between you and God. Would you stand with me this morning? I would dare to say this morning that in this place, there are probably some who say, you know what? I'm not honest with God, and I'm not honest with myself, nor am I honest with others. That's you this morning. This is a day that you can start changing your priorities and say, Lord, here I am as I am. I'm not going to stand hide behind the grace of God so I can do whatever I want to do. I'm going to be honest about my life, my lifestyle, what I'm doing, how I'm living. And I'm going to let you, God, lead my life and transform me and change the way I'm living so that I can serve you faithfully. Remember, we're all responsible. He calls us out. In this day and age, nobody likes to be called out. Nobody wants to be judged. The fact is, God is the one who judges. It's not man. It's God who is the one who judges. And we all will have to stand before Him one day. No better time than to make things right now in His presence. Would you pray with me? I want to pray for you. And you may need to pray a prayer this morning. And say, Jesus, you see where I'm at. I ask you to forgive me my sin. I'm going to choose to follow you and walk with you. Say that prayer this morning if you haven't. Or if you need to rededicate your life to Christ this morning. Father, I pray for each person here in this place. Father, we have to be honest with you. We have to be honest with others. We know that we have all messed up. We've all said we missed the mark. We need to. And Father God, we lay our lives into your hands, knowing that we're a broken people. We're not perfect. And Father, because of that, we know we need to depend on the grace of God and the sacrifice of Jesus so that we can be in a right relationship with you. Lord, we ask you to forgive us, cleanse our lives,
follow you in the right way. Father, I pray for those right now in this place that need to make not only the statement, not only the prayer, but I pray that you would help those that need to make that repentance theirs, that turning, that turning away from the old, from that old sinful lifestyle, from that old priority, 